Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at First, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. Who are absolutely going to slam dunk this episode, if I do say so myself. Welcome to How Did We Get Weird. So Jonah, I was thinking about when we were growing up we sort of got into this last week with the episode we did with Jeremy Byler. And do you remember what it was like going to shop for shoes as a kid? I do. You know, what's so funny about shopping for shoes as a kid is your feet are growing so fast. So I feel like you're constantly yeah. shopping for shoes. Yes, that's true. Remember, it's a thing when you're a kid, like buy them, like give yourself some room in the front. Right. Because you're going to grow into them. And that's not, obviously as adults, that's not something we do. I'm not like, well, I should get these a couple sizes up just, you know, because my foot's going to grow. Yeah, we kind of take that for granted that we can buy shoes and probably wear them for years to come. Yeah. Yeah. So I, but I do remember we had a local shoe store, I believe it's called Allen Shoes. Yes. In Pepper Pike. And we would go there and... You know, something we talked about with Jeremy Little, too, were those contraptions that look like these kind of like medieval like torture devices that were gray yes. and black. And you'd put your they're like those old kind of scales where you kind of slide the thing. Right. Yes. Yes. And you'd slide it right to the you'd, top of your toe. Yeah. And they'd be to like, out, yeah, yeah, to go to the top of your toe and how wide it is, which is interesting because shoes don't come in a lot <laughs> of different widths. I think they do, they do, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, well, they, I think you can get like wide or narrow shoes right. if you like really look for them. But right, it feels like not as as common of a sizing thing. Yeah, so I guess if you worked at a shoe store back then, you go up to some kids, they sit. Remember they had those like little stools with a diagonal thing? I can't remember if you would sit in there. I think it's like more the, the shoe people like would kneel on these little things. Right. And you would put your foot in this contraption sort of with the little sliders and 
I guess it would slide it up and be like, okay, you're a seven. And so yeah, they'd have to go in the back at the boxes. They never had the size you needed. Right. I don't know. What do you remember? <laughs> right. But yeah, we'd go, especially before school every year. I feel like you'd have to get a new pair of shoes if your feet were growing. Yeah. That's so interesting, Jonah, because it did feel like we were at the shoe store all the time yeah. when we were kids. And I guess that's why. It's because our feet were growing. So we had to get like new shoes every year. But yeah, I remember going in and... Yeah, they had those kind of little stools that the people who are fitting you for the shoes would sit on. But then they also, didn't those stools, some of them had like a little mirror on yes, them. Yes, they had a little mirror so on could, them, for sure. So you could just just see your feet in the mirror though, which was kind of a pet peeve of mine because sometimes you kind of want to see how the whole look is. You know what I mean? You don't want to just see the shoes. Here's my pet peeve, and it's coming back to me now, is oh. I don't love wearing socks. I wear them professional settings, but I'm really into these Birkenstock clogs now, the Boston clog. Right. I'll just toss those on, no socks. But when you would go as a kid or even as like a teenager to the shoe store, you had to have socks because you can't try. So then sometimes they would have these like weird thin socks. Heads. Yeah. And Heads. I always hated, like I'd want to go shoe shopping, but maybe I didn't have socks or my socks were like had a bunch of holes or really dirty. But then I also didn't want to wear these weird fake socks that like, a hundred people. They were had sort worn. of more like stockings, yeah, like, like pantyhose. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's also kind of throwing off the sizing for me because those socks are going to be so much thinner than what I'm wearing. Right, right. But I do remember being like, "Oh, I want to try on some shoes, but I don't have the right socks. Like I have to prep, sort of." You know what's interesting is. Now I feel like they don't even make you put those on. It used to be sort of like a sanitary thing right. too, where like if you were trying on like shoes that you w it wouldn't even wear socks with, like a heels or something, you would have to put those on as like a sanitation thing. But now I don't think they make you do that anymore. But I will say I never outgrew the thing to this day if I ever have to use those. I never know where to put them after. Right, yeah. I put those heads on my feet and then like I'll try in some pumps or whatever. I guess they were more called pumps. Well, I think they're still called that. But try on some shoes and then I'm just like, what do I do with these things? And then I always end up putting them in my pocket. Oh, I take Not, them, yeah. Yeah. I think maybe when I got even got treated for leukemia, they gave me those like little hospital socks with the little thing. Yes. I still got them. I wear yeah. them. If I'm getting low on socks, those are coming out. Yeah, sometimes I think... Could I wear those to Pilates because they have grips on the bottom? But I think they would slide around a lot. Yeah, I don't think the grip is super strong on those. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's less like so that you can like work on a reformer and like pu push out on like something weighted. It's more so you don't trip on a slippery sock. Yeah, it's, it's more, more so just... you don't break your hip or something. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. And those socks are less specific in their sizing. They're kind of a one size, one size fits all fits type most. of number. Yeah, but yeah, we would go to shoe stores and shoe stores, you know, were a part of the public conscious, like remember the dad on Married with Children, he worked at a shoe store. Right, right, right. That was like Al a Bundy. real a real thing. Yeah. So we'd always be come home from work and be complaining or you have a hard day or you know, because it's like that's that seems honestly like not a fun job. One of the things that seems hard about it is, you know, obviously it's a job that still exists. It seems to me, I could be wrong, there's less shoe stores and more like you go to Nordstrom or a department store and there's like the shoe department there. Yeah. What I always think about with people who work in sales for shoes is that they have to lean over like it feels physically like a really difficult job of having to like lean over and untie shoes and retie that like it just feels like a lot of jobs you get to just sit at a computer all day and you don't have to like be like 
going back and finding shoes and then like leaning over and tying. Like it just yeah, feels... Yeah, but they're not um, Russian. Let me tell you this. You know, I don't think it's a fun... Yeah, here it comes. Well, you know, I feel like sometimes you go to a shoe store and then these people are gone for like 15 minutes. It's like, okay, how big right. is your stock room? You know? Yeah, yeah. So I do, okay. and, and also, they try them on and then they're like, all right, walk around. How does it feel? It's like, uh, it feels fun. Right. Like, okay. Uh, you know, it, you don't have to get real emotionally invested. I will say, I do remember the last time I tried on shoes and it was at the flagship L.L. Bean store in Maine and I was getting some slippers Whoa. and I tried on a couple pairs and yeah. And, and again, it's like one of these situations where like, I feel like they never have the size you need. You're always between sizes. Like, I feel like uh-huh. we're kind of spoiled by the internet because I feel like the shoe store, it's like they just have what they have in stock. And if they don't have it, then you're you're not going to get it. Right. I hear you. Well, you know, one kind of shoes that I always buy in a pretty specific shoe store, specifically when I go to Cleveland, I don't know if you know this, Jonah, but you're about to be pretty jealous. I always go to Second Soul with mom, which is this athletic store in Cleveland. And I get like new sneakers for the year. <laughs> Even though I'm 41. You still do this as an adult? Yeah. I don't make a point of it. Like I don't schedule around it, but it's like if I'm home, like I think I was home. I was in Cleveland. I can't even remember when. I guess it was around Thanksgiving. You guys had already left. One day we went to Second Soul, mom and I, and I got my yearly pair of sneakers that mom mom and dad bought for me because we don't have really a lot of stores like that in LA, like a lot of just like specifically athletic shoe stores, or at least there aren't a lot near me. And I always think for those kinds of like running shoes or walking shoes, it's really nice to be able to try them on with like a professional in store. And it's always someone who's like in high school who runs cross country, who's like really good with shoes. And I, I respect that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I've had some problems actually with shoes because I found this article in Vogue mm. recently about how okay. Birkenstock Boston clogs have become the new UGG slippers. And so these clogs, I used to find them like on sale or used to find, I used to buy them on eBay yeah. and now they become really fashionable and they become a lot harder to find on sale. That's shocking because I've seen those shoes and I can't believe they're fashionable. <laughs> well, well, I sort of wear them until they're basically disintegrating. Okay, so maybe that's what I'm responding yeah. to. Yeah. Well, more. what's interesting is actually for all, all the all the Burkeheads out there who are listening. Woo! Shout out to the Burkeheads. There's a couple people out there licensed by Birkenstock where you can actually mail them your Birkenstocks and they'll like repair the cork. Wow. And they'll replace parts of it. And I've done it before. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, I spent $90 on like fixing these shoes at cost almost this much and now they fit kind of weird. Yeah, it would be one thing if Birkenstocks themselves, that's kind of what I thought you were saying was like Birkenstocks will fix any shoes for free. No, they won't do it, saying. but they have people who are licensed to do it, but it's quite expensive and then you pay the shipping both ways and then it sort of feels like I could have just bought a new pair of shoes. <laughs> right, right, right. At that point, it feels like cost per... Right. Because it feels like the cost ratio is a little bit skewed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, I remember before we went to Israel... For my bat mitzvah, we all got naots. I don't know what that is. Right? What's a naot? Naots were like Birkenstocks made in Israel. Oh, I don't remember that, but... They're like similar brand. Like Birkenstocks, I think, are German, right? Yeah, I believe so. And naots are Israeli. And I feel like we got them before we went to Israel for because there were good sandals to walk around in or something. I feel like I was more in kind of a Tiva phase back then. Oh, you know what? I think mom had naots for Israel. We got Tivas. Yeah, You're right. I we was got rocking Tivas, Tivas for Israel. For sure. I like those with all the <laughs> little straps on them. You could really, yeah. really, those are cool. I remember for our overnight camp, I think I got Tivas you could wear in the water or something. Yeah. I have some, some, some Tiva type water shoes currently. 
They're great. Are you wearing those into the water? I actually do wear them. There is like a brook that me and my wife, Vicky, sometimes walk across. And we got these shoes so we could walk across the rocks. Wow. That's incredible. But now I kind of wear them all the time. <laughs> I like wearing them. But you got to, you, you know, if you're walking across the water, it can also be mossy. You got to still kind of hold on to stuff. You know, don't get don't get too confident in these. Right. They're just shoes. But yeah, Tiva still makes shoes, actually. They make active sandals. They have all these different collections. They almost look like designery. All these companies that are still around, I guess they have to kind of make their stuff look like trendy. But for me, I just want this stuff to look old how it used to. I don't need it to look like it's like come, you're wearing them to the Glossier store or something. <laughs> Did you say the Glossier store? Yeah, do you know I, I actually went to the Glossier store in New York? Now, once. is it for sure pronounced Glossier <laughs> and not Glossier? Oh, glossier. You're putting kind of a French twist on it. You mean the makeup store? Yeah, I, and they had one yeah. in New York and I went because my wife wanted something there. It was like all these like 13-year-old girls and their parents and me. And it was so fun. It reminded me of being in the body fitness class in high school. In high school, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was there and I was like, you had to wait outside. It was like in the West Village and then you had to wait and then they would finally let you in. And then I had to get the stuff and then somehow they like forgot to check me out. So I was just like waiting <laughs> and waiting and then I had to ask someone and then they gave me like a free something for free and the stuff. And it was like, yeah, I get this bag with all these stickers. It was, uh, yeah, it was not, yeah, it's kind of a youthful brand. It's a youthful brand. I think I was not exactly their target demo. Right, I had some time right. to kill in, in NYC. And so, um, really cool. Yeah. Did I pronounce that wrong? I thought it was Glossier. I thought it was Glossier, but I, well, I, I know nothing about, I'm sure that I'm wrong. We'll find out maybe, but Maria is saying it's Glossier. Yeah. Well, I've been to the store. I'm kind of a, basically okay, a brand ambassador. Okay, so you've ambassador heard them say, like, point. do you want the Glossier boy brow? That's the name. That's their very popular brow. I don't remember gel. that. I honestly remember more being like, how can I find this stuff and get it, get out of here? Mortified. How can I get possible. out of here? Yeah, 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 yeah. Jonah, do you, <laughs> just to go back to, <laughs> just to go back to shoes, like I was going to ask you, I know like you had Doc Martens, I had Doc Martens because you had Doc Martens and those were like a real favorite pair of shoes. In fact, you don't really remember this, but one time you were running really late for school and I was homesick or something. So you put on my Doc Martens and then you like ran to the bus with them untied. And then when you got on the bus, you realized... They were way, way too small. Sounds like something I would do for sure. Something you would do. And I think mom had to bring new. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been pretty uncomfortable. Shoes to you at school. Did you have like a favorite pair of shoes growing up? Because I have such a vivid memory of what my favorite pair of shoes as a kid was. Well, I do remember those Doc Martens specifically because our parents were friends with another kid at our school's parents owned a shoe store at the mall. And yes, they didn't really. This was kind of before Doc Martens had like stores and stuff. Like, right, you know, uh, you couldn't just you know waltz down South Street in Philly to the Doc Martens store and try them all on. They yeah, were, that was before that. Yeah, time. so maybe they probably had them at Coventry or like Record Rev, maybe. But he had to basically. I guess I got sized at some. I knew what size I was. I don't remember, but I order. He had this kind of special order these boots. Wow! And so he put this order in, and I got the kind of like I don't remember seven or nine hole. There were these kind of taller ones, and I feel like I wore them so much. You know, I would just wear like camouflage plant pants and those boots, and I was like, I was good. 
So the, you were set. Yeah. yeah. And those By were the way, really I think cool. he ordered mom from his shoe store, mom's nails too. I'm having a memory of that, but not to change the subject. Yeah. But, if you got a connection back then to someone who owns a shoe yeah. store, you just have them yeah. order it because you couldn't really order it directly, I guess. I don't know how right, people you got could, We didn't have the internet. Right. It's like if you wanted a specific type of shoes, unless you had a hookup, like a friend who owned a shoe store or worked at a shoe store, like you... What are you going to do? Right. You know? So we had some good pretty good connections. So that was really, that yeah. was cool. Vanessa, what about you? Would you have a pair that kind of stands out to you? Yes. One time, do you remember we used to do a lot of back to school shopping with Grandma Evie? Like when we'd go to Philly a little bit, like she'd take us to Sometimes, yeah. the place that had the Christmas show too, Wanamaker's. Got it. Well, she would take us, I think, to Wanamaker's or some other department stores. And I remember one year she got me these. And I still kind of look to buy them in an adult style, but she got me these boots that were like short cowboy boots that were suede. Okay. And they were so cool, Jonah. Like I remember like every time I'd wear them, I'd be like, just looking at, I'd just be like, these are like, these are, this is like a beautiful pair of boots I get to wear as like a 10 year old or whatever. And I remember just being so into them and, Again, still to this day, if I ever see... Like, if I could find boots like that, I would get them just because... And in fact, I do have one pair of boots that's like a little bit like that because I just think they were so chic, especially for a preteen. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember those, but maybe we can um, dig them up and post it on social media. Right, 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 right. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to be back talking more about... Shoe stores, shoes, and all kinds of fun topics for your soul on this episode. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here... We have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, 
Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean... It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Okay, so Jonah, let's talk about some of our favorite shoe brands from our childhood. There were several like really nostalgic shoe brands. We could go on forever if we were going to talk about all of them, but let's just go through a few. One of the brands that I was thinking about that I used to wear all the time were Eastland loafers. Oh yeah. Do you remember those were the ones you would tie them into like curly cues on either side and they were like leather. And it does seem like quite a sophisticated shoe for a kid to wear, but we were all wearing those. Were those the ones you would put the penny in it? I think sometimes you could, they were like penny, lo- like you could put a penny in them like they were penny loafers. But then other times they were just more sort of like, almost like driving shoes they looked like, except you would take the ties at either end of the laces and you would yeah, they were loafers. curl yeah, them up yeah. into these. Yeah. yeah, they were loafers. They were loafers. Yeah, I don't really remember. I mean, I remember kids wearing those. I always associated those with really preppy kids and thought they were really not cool. Right, right, right. They were the equivalent for me of those braided belts guys used to wear. Right, 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 right. Not for me. Yeah, I mean, I definitely had a pair. I'm so curious. It wasn't really my style either. I wore stuff I feel like that was a little more like girly or something. Like they seem pretty like preppy and... But I wore them and I remember thinking I was really cool whenever I'd wear them. And I have to say they were quite comfortable if I recall. Okay, fair enough. Well, yeah, I wouldn't know and hope I never know. Okay. (laughs) Another brand that was really popular when we were kids, which has kind of made somewhat of a comeback was Keds. Did you ever own a pair of Keds, Jonah? I didn't. I don't think I ever owned a pair of Keds, although I did own a Keds hat, like a denim hat that I wore every day for a few years when I lived in New York. (laughs) Right. I remember that. And I think I actually got it at TJ Maxx in Cleveland. Okay. And I was like, this is like a sick denim Keds hat. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, it was a great hat. You know, I don't have it anymore, but I never had the Ked shoes, just the hat as an adult. What about, did you ever have, they were usually white, right? Yeah, a lot of times they were white, but then, you know, of course they came out with, like there were like checkered ones, I think, and there were like different designs and stuff. And you could really, because they were white, a lot of the time people would draw on them a lot and stuff. Okay. You could really make them your own. And I have a specific memory of, I think when I was in fourth grade, for like a holiday present for my teachers, like for two of my teachers or three teachers, like my homeroom and maybe a couple others. Mom and I went to Pat Catan's, which was this art store in Cleveland. And we got these generic Keds. And then there was like this pattern where you could decorate them with different puffy paints and glitters. Oh, and like rhinestones and make them into these pretty honestly glamorous chic shoes. So I remember getting shoe sizes from teachers and being like, 
um, what size shoe are you? And like writing it down. Wow. And then buying their shoe size and then making with mom, like making these shoes for them, which is actually so sweet of mom to be like, Vanessa really wants to make like, what a great idea. Like you should make these shoes for them. And I truly don't know what their reaction was like. <laughs> like I'm trying to think if I was a teacher and a kid gave me these like shoes in my size that had all these like puffy paint and glitter and rhinestones on them. But again, we were following a pattern, Jonah. So I don't want you to think it was like just randomly placed on really, there. Like, I think as a teacher, you would think that was very sweet. Like, I think you know, so. you probably would, yeah. would throw them away. But I think it's a really nice gesture. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I think also it was like kind of in style then. Right. Maybe it was like away. Maybe they wore them all the early time. Early 90s. And Mrs. Ferber, like she was pretty stylish. I don't know if you remember that, Jonah. I do. I do. But And she was in that rug commercial. So I think like she and Mrs. Smith, and I'm, I can't remember if I made it for anyone else. I think they would have really appreciated it. Yeah. I mean, it. it's interesting because you sort of... Then I think as I'm thinking now as a teacher, then you sort of feel obligated to wear them to school. Do you remember any of the right. teachers wearing them to That's school? That's such a good question, Jonah. If if Mrs. Ferber was yeah. ever like, Vanessa, look, I'm wearing right. these shoes. Right, because it feels kind of like you should you should wear them one day to school. And then if someone asks you about yes. it, big like, oh, one of my students made these. You know, I'm just being yeah. a good sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. I mean... I think they were probably sort of cool looking. Yeah, I'm sure they were. And I think they'd be cool now. Like, I think you could, if you had kids with like glitter and rhinestones all over them now, I think there's like less rules with shoes today of like what's cool and what's not cool. Or it's more in the way of what's not cool is cool. Wow. Thank you, (laughs) You know, speaking of brands from our childhood, I have a memory also, you know, I worked on the Warp Tour in 2002, through about 2005, but 2002, I did the entire tour for Alternative Press. And so I was about, I was 22, I think. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have a rehearsal day on the Warp Tour. Yes. Where you're setting up the tents, all this stuff. And I think we did it in like somewhere like Bozeman, Montana or some some kind of random place. And at the end of the first day, they basically lay out all these shoes, like boxes of boxes of shoes of different styles, and everyone's allowed to pick out one pair of shoes. And they're Vans, right? Because it's Vans, Vans Warped Tour. Yeah, they're all Vans, and they have all these styles and sizes, and they basically just like unload these trucks, and then everyone who works for the tour gets to pick out a pair of shoes. Wow. And I remember that being like so exciting to me. Flash forward to I did a podcast for six years at a studio owned by Converse where there were just free shoes everywhere. I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. This is interesting though because Vans are sort of not that far off from Converse or from Keds. If you think about it, because there were slip-on Keds. I believe that Converse doesn't make slip-ons. Okay. But they do both. Vans and Converse are both kind of skate shoes. Right, right, right. So yeah, they are They are definitely competitors. But I'm saying like Vans almost made, in some versions of them, they were almost like cool Keds. Yeah, I guess you so. You know what I mean? I mean, like I, I think of Keds and up. Vans so differently that my brain can't even compute their similarities. Well, Jonah, you know what that is? That's called marketing. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so you'd pick a pair of Vans and... You yeah, know. here's what happened. I got this pair of Vans. I liked them. Then I went back to Cleveland. I saw this doctor who said that because of the way I walked, I had to get these like huge insoles, like these orthopedic okay. insoles, and they would... And he put them in these vans. So they would like basically, these vans are kind of bigger than my other shoes. They're kind of like those like mid-rise chunky ones. So I could only wear these insoles in this one pair of shoes. Like they wouldn't fit in other shoes. Oh, interesting. And so I wore those a lot. And then I decided I just hated wearing these insoles. I was not, this guy was like, if you don't wear these insoles, your knees are going to be destroyed by the time you're like 25. 
Yeah, flash forward, I'm 43. I don't never wear insoles. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I had them for a while. They were, they were fine, but they were not like my favorite pair of vans. Okay, okay, yeah. And I remember when you had your old podcast, because it was at the Converse All Tracks? Rubber Tracks. Rubber Tracks studio. Yeah, I remember there was a room of Converse shoes and you could... Yeah, I would all often like pick a pair to take home with me and then, you know, a few years later, donate them. <laughs> <laughs> they were never yeah, really. I feel like I actually I just yeah. ran out of. I had stockpiled so many shoes from that podcast that I I just ran out in the last couple of years. Yeah, free shoes. You know that that could be a whole other podcast. Oh yes. So Eastland loafers with the curly cues, Keds, Vans, Converse, and there's one brand that Jonah I think is really nostalgic that you were quite into as a kid. Do you want to talk about those? Yeah. And so when we were talking about this topic, you know, I was thinking about this pair of Reebok pumps that I believe our grandparents bought me in Philly when I was a kid. And I was so into these shoes. I don't remember how much they cost. They were very expensive at the time. I, looking it up, it says the first pairs were $170, which mm-hmm. was so much money back then. I, I think the, the later ones, when I got them, they might have been less. Um, right. But yeah, they were basically these shoes that were made by Reebok um, to compete with the Nike kind of Air Maxes. And the Nike Air Maxes had those kind of air pads. And these, you know, if you don't know, you would pump them up on the tongue and it would actually like spray air into the soles to kind of tighten or kind of form to your foot. And they were supposed to be really good for basketball. And they were just incredibly cool looking. And I love yeah. the novelty of just, and the tactileness of just pressing down and like feeling your shoe pump up. It felt like you were getting this sort of like superpower or something. The pump looked like a little basketball on the tongue right. of the shoe, yeah. right? And you would pump that up. And now there was debate over whether... It did anything, right? But you could, you're saying when you would put them on, you would feel the air pump. You would definitely feel the air as far as it doing anything, as far as your performance. I think that probably was more psychological and marketing. Right. right. But it became, you know, they also became this kind of status thing, I think. Right. And, you know, Shaquille O'Neal, all these really popular athletes started wearing them and people started knocking them off. I mean, it was a huge, I mean, Kids listening today to the podcast, our younger listeners might not realize. Gen Z. Yeah, it's like Gen, you know, typical Gen Z is like, oh, oh, my parents love the new Modest Mouse record. Oh, those guys are so classic rock to me. You know, those are the classics. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Um, (laughs) Did you know there was a competitor for Reebok pumps, which was the Nike Air Pressure? Yeah, I read that while we were researching it, but I don't remember the Nike Air Pressure. Yeah, they didn't do nearly as well. And I guess... Speaking of marketing, there was like a lot of different basketball players, like you said, and Dominique Wilkins, they got on board to like really promote these shoes. And But I guess in 1991, there was a dunk contest, which I can't believe I missed this because 10-year-old Vanessa probably checking out every dunk contest. I'm kidding. But anyways, there was a dunk contest and D Brown pumped up his Reebok pump shoes before every dunk. And I yeah. think that was huge for sales. Now... Jonah, you and I have looked up some of the commercials for the, for the Reebok pump, punk, pump, pump. Yes. Uh, I'd j- like to try the Reebok. Reebok punk would have probably been yes. more of my alley. Yes. What do you think those would have been? You would have. Yeah, they would have had like a Ramones logo on the side maybe and uh, been, yeah. And then every time you would pump up the whatever's on the tongue of the shoe, the shoes would go, out of my way, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
Jonah, you just told me that some comments on the podcast are that people love to hear my singing. Yeah, people are really connecting with your singing. So I'm sure they're going to really, really, that's going to be, that could go completely viral. Yeah, so I want to just sing for a second now and say, what if the Reebok punk shoes, every time you pump them up, they'd go, yeah, yeah, we're living in the world. We're living in the world where it's punky to be cool and the Reebok, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I cannot imagine if the shoe made that sound. <laughs> Maybe they would have done You're even better. Punk. What is that, that song to you? What, like, wh- that's that's the idea of what a generic punk song sounds like. Well, I think it's <laughs> it's like a mix of what I think of, like the music we would listen to when you would drive me to school, and we would listen to like No Effects and stuff, and also like uh-huh. seeing your hardcore shows where it would just be you guys playing music, and then. Jeff or someone being like, you know, get in the way of the, go to the bar, park and get, and look at the trees. They're so big and I don't care about the trees. I mean, it's time to go to the, to get, to get dinner now. It's dinner time and everything's for free or something. Okay, so it's kind of a screamo mashup. Uh, okay, I see what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, uh, not exactly what Jeff's lyrics are like, but I, I get the sentiment. That get is sentiment. no burn to Jeff Rickley, who's been a guest on this show and who we absolutely love. And Jeff recently wrote a novel called Someone Who Isn't Me, which is really an excellent book, and it comes out this summer, and you should you should definitely order it. Great, great. Especially if you love that impression by Vanessa. Okay. It's, 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 that's exactly what that's it's exactly like. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And so Jonah, did you know that you can still get Reebok pump shoes? Yeah. So they still make them. I guess they sort of fell out of style. I was reading an interview with a guy who has 500 pairs of them. And he said, "Whoa, you know, they had all these shack editions, all these special editions. And it sounded to me like they made too many versions of it like too many different color combinations and they kind of oversaturated the market. And so people kind of stopped buying them and then you could get them a lot cheaper. Got it. Um, and they kind of, they kind of just kind of fell out of style, I think basically. Okay. Okay. But you can get the vintage ones. I was looking on eBay. I mean, to get a vintage pair of Reebok pumps, is going to set you back probably like 500 bucks. Wow. Wow. So I wish you bet you'd kept yours. Yeah, I wish. I wish you. I bet you wish you'd kept yours. <laughs> I do. I wish I did. I don't know. Here's the thing: Am I going to hang on to these shoes for 25 years to sell? I don't know. Right. Yeah, I wish I kept them. I try to sell them, but honestly, I, I've moved around a lot. It feels like it would be a lot to. Yeah, it seems like keep it would me. be sort of tough to have you as a roommate and stuff when you were younger if you were like carrying around all these shoes that you've grown <laughs> Every, up with. Being like in 20 years, these shoes are going to be worse. Yeah. I mean, I guess it, the the real move would be if you could go back in time to just buy all these toys and never open them or play with them. Yes, right. Which, you know, so. some might say we should go to a toy store now and buy a ton of toys and then... Yeah, but I think it's like, it's like by the time you know that's a good move, it's too late. Like this is exactly, and not to get off of the tangent here, but this is exactly what happened to me in baseball cards. Okay. Like, because I was collecting in the 80s and everyone was like, yeah. buy a complete set of these 87 top set, you put it in your closet for 30 years, you'll go through college. But everyone did that. And now like yeah. the, the set of cards from 1987 is worth like $4. Right. So it's like you had to do that in like the 50s and 60s. By the time people catch on, it's too late. You got to move on to the next thing. And that's a really good segue because in this next segment, after the break, we are going to be talking about business. <laughs> exactly. Okay. 
something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women, like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends, we're just each other's pulse. I mean, it's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, and we're back. Jonah, that was an incredible segue, and uh, I think we've got a pretty incredible segment right now. Do you want to introduce it? I do, yes. So this is a segment called CEO Takedown, The Shoe is on the Other Foot Edition. CEO Takedown. (laughs) Which, shockingly, Jonah came up with this title and is pretty proud of it. So am I. Basically, this is just a a quick segment where we go through some current shoe news involving CEOs. And and this time we're taking on Foot Locker, which obviously probably the biggest shoe chain, but also one that frankly is in a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people buy shoes online. A lot of people, you know, you got Zappos, you got Amazon, you got all these retailers. They have every size. You can buy multiple sizes, send back what you don't want. Mm -hmm. And so... 
they're struggling. Their CEO's name is Mary Dillon. She's worked for a lot of different corporations. I believe McDonald's. Guess what corporation she worked for? What's that? Glossier. Glossier. That must be was Yeah. So yeah. So Glossier. Oh, no. Sorry. She worked at Alta, which is similar to Glossier. Okay, go ahead. You know, so there's two ways to sell shoes, right? There's there's in these stores like Foot Locker, and then there's this direct-to-consumer strategy. So all these brands also, you can just go to, you know, the Reebok website and buy your pumps. Mm-hmm. But the CEO of Reebok said, you know, at the end of the day, the world doesn't work that way. Consumers don't work that way. She said they want to shop at times in an environment where they can browse and get service and have fun and try things, whether it's makeup or shoes. So she's saying she's not concerned about the direct to consumer. I will tell you this. I went to a mall recently and I was like, oh, we're going to the mall. You know, we were in Albany. I was like, we'll check stuff out, you know, buying all our clothes and stuff online. Generally, I live in a rural area. I went to this mall and it was took forever to park. Mm-hmm. It's crowded. You know, the idea of going into a footlocker, having to flag someone down, pick out the shoe, wait for them. I mean, to me, it is not a fun, exciting experience. It's like kind of anxiety inducing mm-hmm. and sort of uncomfortable. And, and I do not think this is a fun experience for me. What do you think, Vanessa? What do you think about you know, this direct to consumer versus <laughs> footlogger? Is it all spin or, or what do you think? <laughs> I do think there's something nice about going and trying on shoes. It feels really nostalgic in a lot of ways, but also it's a great way to like make sure the shoes fit you and etc. But I hear you. It's so much easier sort of to just go online and order stuff. So, and what I thought you were going to say about malls, which I found with our childhood mall Beachwood Place the last time I was there is a lot of them are sort of empty now too, which I find to be a little bit depressing. Like when I was at Beachwood Place, especially I went to Nordstrom and it looked like it was like me and three other people there, including mom. So me, mom, and three (laughs) other people, maybe me, mom, and two other people. (laughs) Okay. Well, yeah. You know, it's interesting that you say this thing about trying things on because I think it's it that's an interesting idea because that is a move that to me can often depend on who the retailer is. Mm -hmm. Like if it's an independent store and it costs a little more and you can support them, I think that's good. If it's Foot Locker, I'm going. To, I'm trying right. them out. I'm right. getting my size, and I'm taking my that that crucial info somewhere else. I mean, it's the same with, yeah. with books. I'll, I like supporting a good independent bookstore. If you're Barnes <laughs> now and Noble, you, do. you used to like to. Oh, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. You like to support an independent bookstore. You you like to steal from a chain bookstore. <laughs> I never stole from Borders. Stole. I had I had a bit of a a, 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 a returning book scam when I was a kid, <laughs> and you can listen to Scam Goddess the yes. episode with me yeah. and Vanessa, where I get I get deep into the process behind my, my borders yes. scam. But yeah, same with independent bookstores. I think it's worth supporting them. If you're at Barnes & Noble, I'm taking a picture, I'm getting all the best titles, and then I'm getting them somewhere else. Because I don't feel like I need to support you in the same way. I hear you. And you know, that's part of... The, you could make that argument for why whenever I'm home in Cleveland, I go to Second Soul with mom and dad to try on new athletic shoes. Yeah. Those are really a good thing to try on in person and to get some an expert's advice on. And then mom and dad support them by buying the shoes for me. Yeah. Support Second Soul. <laughs> I don't know who owns it, but I'm I'm guessing it's not, you know, a multi billionaire. Right. Speaking of which, getting back to this CEO this CEO down here. The shoe. Yeah. And, and and listen to this CEO speak. I just I just want to tell you this is this is what she said early on in her tenure, according to an article I found in reference to Foot Locker. 
This is a growth category with a long runway ahead, she said. And then the article says, with Tailwind, she believes will last for years. Foot Locker has a tremendous amount of brand awareness and latent brand equity that I believe is not yet fully tapped. You know, it's like to get paid $10 million or whatever to just use these bud words. I mean, did I go into the wrong business or what? Because I feel like this is just, it's like, I don't know. Like, what does any of this mean? Right, like, this right, is all, right. To me, it feels like made up stuff. And then it's like, I don't know. Yeah, people, then people are just going to buy the shoes online. I, I don't understand. This kind of mentality is, is so bizarre to me. Uh, I'm also reading these like trade business shoe sites. So, you know, obviously right, maybe people right, have a right. better understanding of this lexicon. But but what does that what mean? What does like, it the mean? Brand? Well, I, I was going to break yeah, it down. How do you fully tap into that? It says just a few months into her tenure, at Foot Locker, Dylan is already making changes and plotting improvements at the retailer. So she's saying this is a growth category with a long runway ahead. So she's saying like, I think a long runway ahead at least. I don't know, understand this is a growth category exactly, but like... You got a long way to go yeah, before you, got you take a long off. Way to you go. got a lot of real estate. This is from RetailDive.com. And they're talking less about a fashion runway and more about an airplane runway because it says yep. with tailwinds, she believes will last for years. So that's like an airplane reference. Right. And then Foot Locker has a tremendous amount of brand awareness. So like people know the brand and latent brand equity. So I think that means like their brand is worth a lot, but they aren't taking advantage of it. Yeah, that I believe is not yet fully tapped. Yeah, but but I guess what I'm saying is like, okay, like I understand what all those things mean. Right. But what does that mean? Like if people aren't going to malls and people are buying their Reeboks online, like how are you? Listen, I wouldn't want, I, I mean, I would want the paycheck, but I wouldn't necessarily want this job because I feel like you're being thrust in trying <laughs> I don't to- think you got to worry about it. <laughs> 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 you don't think they're going to hire the guy who's like, oh, what does this mean? Oh, this doesn't mean anything. I don't understand these basic business terms. I think like, your, ex- your experience like podcasting and stuff you might not be like, he's the most equipped to do this job. So you're saying I don't have the resume <laughs> to be a CEO of Foot Locker or, or a similarly sized business. I want to comfort you and say like, don't start, don't worry about getting hired for this because you're not going to do this. This is like when I'm at home and I go on these rants about how like I don't want to be president. I'm like, who would want this job? Who would want to be president? It's like uh, this just in general. <laughs> no one, no one's asking you to run for president. Look, we all got our own talents. I'm just saying, I think these CEOs are overpaid. Okay. Not just this CEO, but I think these these Foot Locker employers are making 15 bucks an hour, and this person's making 10 million dollars a year, and they're talking they're, and they're throwing out runway metaphors about tailwinds and you know ultimately like what i don't know to me it's like face it people are going to buy these shoes direct they're going to buy them from zappos they're going to buy them direct from the manufacturer and and you're in trouble and walk around you know a deserted mall and you're going to see why you're in trouble unless you're me because when i went to the mall it was really crowded <laughs> and i guess that's sort of going against my whole s- argument here which i'm not exactly sure what my argument is so this woman is saying like shoe store, you know, like Foot Locker, you know, people love to go places. They love to try stuff on, even though that seems to be sort of opposite what the current, you know, cultural mindset is, which is that you can just order stuff online and, you know, have access to every single style and size and everything like that. And you, it sounds like, and I would agree with that to some extent of like independent retailers, but she's taking it kind of one step further and saying like Foot Locker is like such a classic, valuable brand that like we've got a lot of, in the sort of metaphor that they're using in this article, they've got a lot of ground 
to cover and fly over. A lot of runway. A lot of yeah. runway, and they can. Fl- and I feel like she's. Yeah, fly. I feel like she's. She's has a very skewed view of, of saying. I mean, I think it's a really positive way to look at it. If, if I were CEO of Foot Locker, I'd say, okay, well, this is the way the world's changing. Let's kind of improve our online presence. Right. Maybe we get like a Foot Locker Foot Club, and if you buy the shoes from us, you get points. Well, and, there you know, is a but, loyalty program, and she okay. wants to add more personalization and a better value proposition for members. Okay, I think actually maybe she should hire me. Because I actually think I have some pretty good ideas. Yeah. Well, you certainly have talked to Dunkin' Donuts a lot about their, or your local Dunkin' Donuts a lot about their loyalty program. It seems like you've, what would you design as like the kind of rewards program for Foot Locker? I'd say, okay, you know, here's this like little referee shirt. Uh That's like the app. And then every time you buy shoes, you get like a little stripe on the referee shirt. And if you buy 10 pairs of shoes, then you get 50 bucks. You can post on on all the socials. And what would be the reason to post on the socials? If you post it, then Foot Locker will randomly pick like one of the posts and you'll get a free pair of shoes. Okay. And tickets to a Billie Eilish concert. Really cool. Look, that's a real idea. That isn't just business speak. Yeah. That's a real idea. So listen, if you're interested, let me know. But for now, I'm going to say this has been a CEO CEO takedown. takedown. The shoe is on the other foot edition. Well, Jonah, this has been really fun. I always love to get some one-on-one time with my bro just to talk about our childhood and absolutely have a blast. This has been really fun. It's been great to reminisce about, you know, going to shoe stores, the Reebok pump, those things you measure. This episode really brought back a lot of memories that started with the episode with Jeremy. So it's really cool to kind of bring those ideas full circle and, you know, and and talk about business, which is just like a, a huge passion of mine as well. Yeah, Jonah, this episode really seems like if you were to measure it on one of those old timey kind of foot measure things, which you have looked it up. And since when we were kids, those are a lot more, they're a lot less scary looking, right? Yeah, those things yeah. that measure your feet. But I guess my what I was trying to say was if you were to measure this episode, on one of those foot scale measure things, it would be just your size. I thought you were going to say off the charts, but just your size is good too because it's okay. Fits. It would be off the charts, but I guess it's not really a chart either. Well, it, the size would be immeasurable. Yeah, you couldn't even measure the size. One of those guys is down on that weird little stool, and he's like, I, "You broke this thing. I can't even. Yeah. I can't even do it. It doesn't work anymore because you because it works too well." Exactly. Well, that was really fun, Jonah. Thanks so much to everyone for listening. And if you enjoyed that, please subscribe to the podcast and keep an eye out for next week's episode of How Did We Get Weird, where we will discuss more stories from our childhood and cultural touchstones like Reebok pumps. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. 
And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at at First first listen. Listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.